You're listening to Work in Progress. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Work in Progress explores the rapidly changing workplace through conversations with innovators, educators, and decision-makers, people with solutions to today's workforce challenges. Here's a phrase you hear a lot of us say at Working Nation. The best solutions to education and workforce issues are local. That's why today on Work in Progress, we're talking about the nation's 400 plus dual mission colleges and universities. My guests are Carrie Hauser, president and CEO of Colorado Mountain College in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and Marian Thedrick, president of Albany State University in Albany, Georgia. Ladies, thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. As I was researching today's topic, I came across this description. Dual mission institutions generally offer a blend of certificate programs and associate degrees, as well as bachelor degrees under one roof. They also recognize that today's learners need and want a mix of liberal arts and hands-on career skills training. So Carrie, does that accurately describe Colorado Mountain College? It does. Uh, You know, I think those of us who sort of subscribe to this notion of being dual mission, I think the other thing that you'll find, and and Marianne can certainly talk about Albany State as well, but we're often or most often in rural communities or in places where there aren't a collection of other institutions. And so part of the reason that we are dual mission and offer this blend of degree programs, most of us a blend of undergraduate programs, some, some offer a few graduate programs as well, it's because we're the only game in town. There isn't another institution that you can either articulate into or whatever. So, you know, in our case, uh, we're actually, we operate almost like a system, Colorado Mountain College. We have 11 campuses. We are accredited as one institution, but we serve the, essentially the mountain ski resorts of Colorado. And we were founded on this premise um, and our local communities pay for us largely Uh, through a mill levy and through some taxing support. And the only way really that we're able to deliver this kind of model in these very high cost mountain towns is because we are that a little bit of that one-stop shop. Um, And we really respond to what the mountain communities of Colorado need. So we don't offer a lot of programs because they don't have, you know, relevance uh, in these communities. You know, we train nurses, we train law enforcement officers, we train teachers, um, we train people that are part of the backbone of these communities. We have one of the few avalanche science programs in the country, which would make sense for us. Um, ski area operations, you know, the, the, the things that really fuel these mountain communities. And the reason that we offer a blend of degree programs and types of degree programs is because they're not offered in other places. Marian, is that the same kind of uh, situation in Albany, Georgia? You know, let me first say, when whenever I hear someone speak about the mission and what it is, I, I still get chills after, you know, running this institution for over five years because it means so much in the communities where we live. Albany State's just a slightly different in that we weren't the only game in town up until 2017. So we actually consolidated with another institution And that's where we actually picked up our dual mission. Um, And so that work that we've been doing over the last five years is to make it seamless for all of the students to go to Albany State to actually go from those certificate two-year degrees into our four-year degrees, as well as we have master's degrees at Albany State as well. Similar to what Carrie said, we are so focused on what is needed in our community. But what's different is that we we are a a regional university. And so we have quite a few students who come from 
different areas. They come from Atlanta. They come from out of state. We have international students that come to Albany State. And we were founded on kind of that four-year mission uh, where we actually bring students in. But, but the goal, the focus, what we're trying to do is get people work ready, literally day one when they get out of college. And sometimes because of our student body, we have a student body that's highly Pell eligible. So we have over 78% of our students who are Pell eligible, which as you know, means that they're coming from low income families, right? So our students come into Albany State, most of them are either working or looking for an opportunity to work uh, while they're doing their degree. So we have to you know, care for all of that for our students and at the end of the day, when they get out, we need them to be ready to go ahead and go to work. What is the percentage of the four-year degrees? If you had to kind of at Albany State, what is the percentage for you guys? Since this consolidation in 2017, where at one point Albany State was all four-year and six-year degrees or bachelor and master's degree institution, adding this other piece in, we're now right about 40% two-year degrees. And then everything else makes up our percentage from there. So we're over 41% for two-year degrees, which makes sense in that we are um, in a rural area. We also have what we call our career associate degrees, but then we also have access mission degrees. And so those students who may not have been, you know, A students in high school or made high grades or high scores on SAT, ACT, we still have a pathway for them to come into Albany State and get them ready for careers. I wanted to talk to you both about this idea that this dual mission college and university, it does expand who can go to school and get a good career. And you both have talked about those career pathways. Have you seen an influx of students, you know, who couldn't afford it otherwise? Well, I think Mary had said it well. I mean, you know, sort of the other common thread through a lot of the dual mission institutions that are working together. And, not, and, and as Marion said, not any of us are exactly alike, but we do have some core components that make us more similar. You know, that rural, we're either rural or we're in a place where there might not be, you know, a collection. You know, we're not, a lot of us are not in sort of urban environments is what I would uh, describe, although there are a few as well. You know, I think we don't market, you know, I think a general student or a parent or somebody out there isn't going to say, oh, that's a dual mission institution. It's all by design, these seamless pathway opportunities. A couple other things that I'm on record as saying is I try very hard, and this is not to disagree with, with Marion at all, but I try very hard not to use two-year degrees and four-year degrees. I try very hard to say associate degrees and bachelor's degrees because that's the degree and to try not to talk as much about time, because I do think it's one of the faults and one of the sort of layovers from a very, very long, you know, kind of history of higher education. And what we do is we offer different types of programs under one roof, and we try to make those very seamless. We try to make those very simple for students. And I would also say the other thing that I think dual mission institutions do very well, which is another part of the dual, there's a couple prongs of the dual, you know, the dual types of degrees, the dual sort of applied programs plus liberal arts. And then the other leg of this dual mission stool, I believe, is that we take students at any sequencing. So it doesn't have to be you start at a certificate level and go to an associate level and then a bachelor's level or whatever. In our communities, we have as many, and at 
a lot of our campuses, we have a lot of people come in with a bachelor's degree and they're adding a specialized certificate or they're adding an associate degree, or we may have students that are pursuing two associate degrees because that's, you know, it's quicker, it's easier, it's more aligned with our workforce needs in our communities. And so that's another piece of it as well. But to the user, I don't know that they necessarily know that we're quote dual mission. We're just operating in this way that guides them through these pathways. Um, it doesn't stigmatize any type of degree or program or, or anything that they might be going through. Um, we welcome, a lot of us are open access as well. I mean, that's another sort of pillar to this. We're open access at some level um, in that we sort of welcome everybody, regardless of sort of their, their background, their training, their age, their income. As Marion said, a lot of us, um, you know, Colorado Mountain College has recently been named a Hispanic serving institution. I believe, Marion, if I'm not mistaken, um, Albany State is still an HBCU, if that's not, if I'm not mistaken. That's so correct. I think that we also, because we're so open access and, and we do have such interest in these diverse welcoming environments for anybody, sort of wherever they come to us. Um, that's also, I think, sort of, you know, kind of innate to the work that we do and why we think this sort of dual mission model is so very relevant, critical, and important right now, particularly post-pandemic. We've had people come back, they're retraining, you know, this crazy economy that we're in right now. Um, the quicker, the better for a lot of these programs. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that a four or five or six year bachelor's degree is the right choice. It might be a quicker step. Um, it might be, you know, something else. And that sequencing thing, I think is also really important to say, let's, let's try to stop always thinking and defaulting that this is an 18 year old or somebody that's kind of coming in with a sort of an upward trajectory when they may be coming in at some sort of chaotic step in, step out, you know, kind of model as well. And let me add one to that. And Carrie, you're absolutely right on the two and six. I literally two, four, six, there's no such thing. Um, it, is, it is the degree, the associate, the bachelor's, the master's. We add, add a piece in there as well. That is, we get a lot of students that are in high school and as they're in high school, they can take our classes as well. And so some of them are graduating high school and college in the same month with a, with an associate's degree. And again, what we're trying to do is get them prepared to go to work pretty quickly because that's the need of the community and frankly of, um, of our families as well in the areas that we live in. Uh, Marian, what kind of businesses are around your community that you are working with to design programs for those students? We have some great partnerships. So we have a Marine Corps logistics base. It's the fourth largest logistics base in the nation. Um, and they are right here in Albany. We've partnered with them on different degrees that they want, supply chain management. We've gone in and we've counted weapons for the Marine Corps, you know, and uh, because they have to do it every day. And that's an eight hour activity that we've turned into a two hour activity by using technology and STEM. We have our local hospital. We actually are very heavy in health professions. So nurses, physical therapists, uh, dental hygiene, uh, coding. We have all of those degrees. Some are certificate degrees. Others are associate degrees. And then, of course, we have the bachelor's degrees in nursing as well. We actually focus a lot in health professions. And our health professions college is our largest college. It has right about 45% uh, of our student body is there in that college for those types of degrees. EMS, emergency management, uh, we have those certificate degrees as well, and students are attracted to that. So we have uh, we have a Miller Coors, which is the distributing company. Uh, again, we go back to supply chain and how effective can we be. 
we also, we're sitting in the agriculture belt in Southwest Georgia. And so ag business has become a big business that we're working on and we're linking that with all of our STEM degrees. So that focus with our local farmers has gone very well. So a school that never got into the ag business part of it, we're not a land grant student, but we got into the ag business. So agricultural business, and we're focusing on that as well. And a lot of that is focused on our um, supply chain degrees. And then of course, all of our local counties. And so we have law enforcement degrees from one end to the other, forensic science, uh, law enforcement, police, detective, and we feed our local communities. We have about a 17 county region that we focus on specifically, and that's where most of our students are going to go back to. Both of you on this. One of the things I noticed, and you mentioned it already, Carrie, is that your institution has actively recruited Hispanic students. And so now you're a Hispanic serving institution and Marion Albany State is an HBCU or you you come out of being an HBCU. I think this is something that's very important. How do people know about you? They may not know you're a dual mission institution, but they know you exist and you're offering these programs. How are you bringing that to the people? Well, I would just maybe piggyback on what Marion said. Uh, again, because in many cases, we are the higher education or post-secondary sort of center in our communities. In our case, we've got a number of campuses and we're it, you know, for that post-secondary training. So we're also very, very closely connected to our K-12 partners. So one of the things that we looked at very closely uh, when I first got here, I'm about to, I'm about to finish my ninth year at, at Colorado Mountain College. You know, we were at about 13% Hispanic enrollment when I started. And we started to really look at that um, because it did it wasn't reflective of of sort of the, the broader population. And a lot of people that have visited the mountain towns in Colorado would would maybe on first glance think they're homogenous. Um, they are very, very high cost. Um, they can feel more affluent, so to speak. And there is this incredible backbone that is the economy. And this isn't, you know, uncommon for college towns and the reasons that a lot of communities have a college in them, right? But we didn't reflect um, our communities and and probably, so we essentially said, you know, we've got to really work on this. And so what we did was we essentially, I went out on the stump for about two years to every business community that I could talk to, every chamber, every, anybody that I could talk to to say, what are the demographics in that K-12 pipeline? This is your workforce. This is the pipeline that will become your workforce. A lot of immigrant students lot of, or students from immigrant families. We have a lot of DACA students, undocumented as well, documented also. But we essentially said we're not reaching them well enough. And those that were coming to us were immediately having to enroll in some form of a remedial course. So they were burning time, they were burning money, and most of them never got into full sort of degree credentialing kind of programs uh, by the time they sort of gave up or whatever. And so we completely redesigned developmental ed. We essentially reached down very intentionally into our into our high school K-12 partners. Um, and we started to really work on getting kids more ready. And that would be a more traditional age, obviously a high school graduate. You know, we deployed some things that have been used by Aspen Prize winners and others. And we borrowed some of the things that I think have worked really well. Every single high school student in our entire nine county service area 
um, gets a letter from a personalized letter from me. It essentially says you're automatically enrolled in Colorado Mountain College when you graduate from high school. You have a thousand dollar running start as a scholarship. And the things that we ask you to do in return are enroll full time because often that's one of the things that obviously students trip up if they aren't are not full time and that they apply for federal financial aid. We're so affordable and a lot of the dual mission institutions, I think, are so affordable that students come in and come out, they pick up a class or two and they, they stop out a little bit, they work, they come back and, and that is typically not a formula for actual completion. So we put some strategies in place to, to just make sure that students kind of were actually leveraging federal financial aid. They could use that. We're such a high cost region for housing. Apply for all the aid that you're eligible for because we're very affordable. Tuition is very affordable. That's not the hurdle for our communities. It's cost of living and housing and sort of all the other things that come with being a student. So we were trying to influence behavior. And those were some of the strategies that really increased our Hispanic and our Latino student enrollment. And it's not just the enrollment on the front end, right? We all know that. It's not just about signing up and showing up your first day. It's actually about retention and keeping students there and supporting them and making sure that the environment is, you know, it's not just a Hispanic serving institution. We're thriving, we're supporting, you know, we're redesigning how we actually deliver classes, support programs. Obviously during the pandemic, everything got just tossed up, you know, 52 card pickup. <laughs> And we sort of learn very quickly, how do students access us and how do they access tutoring and all the other things that sort of come along with being a student. And so I think those are some of the crises that we didn't waste and some of the lessons that we learned um, during the pandemic to even better serve a lot of our, what I would call underrepresented, mostly first generation across the board. Um, those are typically first gener generation behaving students. Um, and that's really what achieved, uh, we're almost, we're bumping up to 30% um, now of our Hispanic student population. And that was from 13% about six years ago. So it wasn't by accident. We are not a border. We, you know, we don't live at the border. You know, we're not Arizona. We're not California. We're not Texas, um, even perhaps Georgia, maybe in some cases, but we had to say, okay, this is the K-12 pipeline. And if you actually look at K-6, that was even more predominant. I mean, there were classes and school districts where we could say 60, 70, 80% of the student pipeline that was going to come into these, you know, in, into the workforce or come of age um, or be part of these communities um, was of, a, of Latino background. So hopefully we're not done. Hopefully that trajectory just continues um, and we continue to become a better institution for any student that may be historically underrepresented, may not have college as part of their background. And I think this dual mission model really speaks to that because we say you are welcome regardless of where you come into us, whatever your preparation is, we're gonna get you ready. And to Marion's point, to the extent that we can duly enroll students in classes with us while they're in high school, they get a little taste of what it is like to be caught in college. They walk across that high school stage with their, you know, whatever credential or their associate degree before they even grow. We have a lot of them because our commencement is so early. They graduate with an associate degree before they even graduate from high school. So those are some really incredible success stories. And Marianne, you guys, Albany State has deep roots in the community there. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about how you're expanding your student body as well. And it's a lot like what uh, Carrie just talked about. You know, Albany State founded in 1903 from with Dr. Holly, and I will be fully transparent. When we consolidated in 2017, it was not a welcomed consolidation. Um, it was one of those consolidations that people pulled apart for several years. I mean, we're just getting to the point where I think we're moving in the right direction. Number one, to truly grasp 
and truly accept and, and enforce our HBCU status. And so HBCU is it's not just the population of students, it's the spirit of where students are coming from. And so in this area, the population, as Carrie talked about, when you look at the population in the area, Albany is about 70% African-American. To think that, you know, that's not your workforce was a, a story I had to keep telling people. I was beating the bushes. I was going to, to high schools. Um, I have a great enrollment management and recruitment team. I mean, literally, we had altogether stopped recruiting from the local area. We had stopped recruiting because we didn't know who we were anymore after the consolidation. And so I had to spend a quite a bit of time kind of focusing there and being connected to HBCU and the HBCU environment. With it being such um, deep roots in HBCU, we have legacy students who come. And so there's some students that come from all over, all over Georgia, out of state. Their parents have gone here. The grandparents um, have gone here. It is amazing. It is heartfelt when you hear the stories about how Albany State changed their lives. We look at these students who, you know, our K through 12 systems where we are, and again, we work with multiple K through 12 systems, you know, they haven't done well with getting our students prepared for college. And so we've kind of put some dollars on the line and, and, and put some programs on the line to help them get students better prepared. Albany in the city of Albany was hit very hard with COVID. And I mean, when you think about how hard it was hit and how we were already um, behind the, the eight ball with our high school graduation, our preparedness, our income, it impacted us a lot. And so we immediately started working with our K-12 system to say, you know what, if we need tutoring, let us help you do the tutoring. Bring them to campus if they need to. If they want to be on campus with um, something as simple as Wi-Fi access. We're considered urban, but the Wi-Fi access is not that great in the area. On campus, it's wonderful come to my campus and you can use Wi-Fi to get your work done. Come in the library, spread out. So we really reached out to our local community to tell them to come to campus. It stuck. Carrie, I love you. You said you didn't waste the trauma of going through COVID. And I love the fact that some of the things that we started in that process, we're still doing. Um, and I think we're going to continue to do because it gave us the opportunity to really focus on where our gaps were in the community and how we as the university in the area, the only university in Albany, how can we actually help? And so we're still out, you know, totally transparent. I'm still building those relationships and it has been wonderful to see our community, our students, our K through 12, our superintendents, those who are outside of the community to really get on the bandwagon with us and make sure that our students are getting the services that they need. But HBCU was critical and it was in question for a while. Um, I'm not sure why, but it was in question, which just made people pull away. So we pulled them back in to make sure that they understand we are HBCU. We are we do have a very rigorous academic program and so many opportunities from a again, certificate, associate, bachelor's, master's degrees. You can come here and do whatever you want, wide open. It sounds like the the key to that success too is also convincing people that. If your community is in need of workers, right, you have this pipeline, just embrace it. Right. I think it's important, this conversation, that when you are talking to students, you're talking to parents, you're talking to business leaders, and as you said, talking to the HBCUs, that you're you're creating this pathway, you're creating this, you know, like a very direct path to jobs. 
other institutions may not understand Albany and the Albany area. I'm always amazed at the connections and the relationships that happen in this small town. On any given day, I could be with the mayor, the county administrator, um, two superintendents or, or more, the technical college president, and they're all pulling in the same direction. And for that, it helps our businesses understand what do they need and, and how do we need to get those students. A lot of our students, we prepare to go right to work at these businesses. And it's because the businesses have told us, what, what, what do they want? What do you need? Do you need to hone more skills? I can add a certificate program for that. Uh, so we've been able probably to be a little more flexible than what the previous Albany State and Darton State College was, because we have more degrees and more opportunities to get students at work and in school in our institution. You know, coming up in November, you're going to have your next summit in Glenwood Springs. <laughs> and Carrie's hosting this time. What is it that you would like people to know? And, and when I say people, educators, local communities, students, what would you like people to take away from that? And maybe grow more of these dual purpose hybrid institutions. And I'll let Carrie go first. And then Marion, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. I think part of the reason that we convened several years ago when Mary and I first met um, was one of the first dual mission summits. And I think it was a number of institutions that were looking for sort of kindred spirits. They were looking for the other institutions that operate. We're a little bit of the sort of island of misfit toys in some ways. And I mean that very, you know, positively. And, and I like Marion's description, whether we're rural or we're sort of islands, I think the island piece is maybe a better description of a lot of the, the dual mission institutions because there just isn't sort of this, you know, you are the place where this is going to happen. And so you have to deliver it in whatever ways are needed. And I, and I think it's also important, you know, Marion said, we also draw a lot of students. I mean, I was just on our campus, you know, we started classes this week and last Saturday night, I went to a concert at one of our residential campuses and, you know, I go around and say, where are you from? What are you going to study? I mean, every one of them was from out of state. 80, 90% of our students are local students, but we are also in the backbone of these mountain tourism resort communities. So we draw a lot of people into these communities and we also need to be a source and a hub to catch them you know here's a river behind me you know it's like catch them like a fish and reel them in and keep them here you know we found in the pandemic that a lot of people left because their jobs left and that wasn't you know unique to us necessarily but certainly in really tourism centered towns um, and communities that that certainly happened so we're also a magnet you know we i don't know about albany um, necessarily but we also offer lifelong learning and sort of these other enrichment opportunities so i think it's important for people that attend or are interested in this dual mission model the audiences that i'm most interested in are the state higher education executive offices, you know, the, the departments of higher education. Marion used to be at the, at the Georgia system office, you know, to understand, to celebrate and to support dual mission institutions. We're not mission drifting. We're not trying to take students from other institutions. We're it. We're not drawing from anywhere else. We're going to be the place. And I think at least in Colorado, if you look at bachelor's degree attainment, since CMC has had authorization to, to offer bachelor's degrees, which has been more than a decade now. But we've been a value, a net add to bachelor's degree production because what would have happened 
is students would have either foregone a degree or had to go someplace else, or most likely they just, they wouldn't have gotten one or they've had, they would have had to move out of these communities. And that's certainly not what we want to have happen. So, you know, the support from legislators, you know, Utah has obviously been a real leader in this because there, there's actual, you know, legislation, you know, that, that really supported the dual mission model in Utah. That's why sort of they've kind of been the place for the energy to start around this and, and others of us have sort of joined into this conversation. So whether it's legislative support, you know, we ran a bill a number of years ago and we're now actually officially a dual mission institution in state statute in Colorado. Dickinson State University in North Dakota is officially a dual mission institution in North Dakota because they're sitting out there by themselves in Western North Dakota. So sort of a similar model that's in state higher education policy, not law. So, you know, the audiences and, and what I think you'll see with our speakers and some of the other people that we'll have here is this is not a threat. This is actual, really in tune delivery for what communities need. And what I think, what I would argue, I'm on the American Council on Education Board and we're in the midst of sort of rethinking the Carnegie classification system, right? That there's a place for institutions like ours. We don't necessarily fit really well into a box you know, two year or four year, which I, again, really try to avoid using that language. But we are so programmed to do that to institutions and rather some of us that actually live in this hybrid space and I think really are in tune to the needs of our local economies, our state economies, our regional economies, whatever that is, it means that we need to offer a blend. We need to offer what these communities want, what they demand from us. And I think that's the other thing is we need to be very clear about what we don't do. And that's another piece, I think, of a dual mission institution. Maybe the last thing I'll say, in this day and age right now, when our environment, our political dialogue is, is where it is, opportunities for learners to be in an environment that teaches them something that they know how to do, that applied program, that sort of workforce training, and also has that sort of liberal arts component to it too, where they can learn to think and be a good citizen and sit across from somebody that does not agree with them, does not look like them, may never agree with them, but they find a way to have that dialogue. I think that's also really a beautiful part of what we do is we mix those things together. Carrie, thank you. I mean, all of those things are what our institutions are about. And, you know, we're, we're not competing. We're not trying to steal students from one area or another. It's not the mission creep. It is truly being community driven, being community focused, helping our businesses to get the workforce that they need to get and doing it seamlessly. It is that important. And in the Albany area, again, it's a small town and we have a lot of students. We, you know, I, I want to go someplace else. I want to get out of Albany. And I'm not kidding. We have a lot of those students that come right back. Now I'm ready to go to Albany State. And, and, it's, and we love them and we welcome them and we bring them back in. Um, I wish they would stay in the first place because being in some of these other areas is just not, it's not what they grew up with. It's not what they really want, where they want to be. They just think they do. As I tell students, being on campus is just like being completely away from home. Just come and you never have to go home. And so we focus on that as well. But I am enamored at the opportunity that we've been able to give to our local community. And we have been able to change the trajectory of so many students. Carrie's absolutely right. Some of these students, not only would they not come for the four-year degree, right? And once they get that um, associate's degree, they stop. If we didn't have that bachelor's degree available, they wouldn't go any further. And I think we also have these companies that will say, we want this level of engagement for our employees and our students. If we don't have it available, 
they're going to go somewhere else. And some of our companies, before we really kind of got this dual mission drive together, some of our companies did close and go closer to Atlanta because the workforce, there were more people in the workforce and more opportunities to train their employees. So I'm very excited about our dual mission opportunity and, and continuing to expand it. And I will add on there, one of the biggest things that we're focusing on right now is getting our faculty who were so focused on just doing bachelor's degrees and master's degrees to understand that this is the route that we need to go. And this is how we're going to change our workforce and our students. That has probably been one of the largest challenges over the last several years is to just broaden that, that viewpoint to get all our students at the table. I want to thank you both for joining me on the podcast today. I really learned a lot that I did not know about uh, dual mission institutions, and I hope our audience did too. So I want to thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank we'll you. see you in November. So I want to thank again, Marion Fedrick, president of Albany State University in Albany, Georgia, and Carrie Hauser, president and CEO of Colorado Mountain College in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Thank you for being on Work in Progress. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Thank you for listening.